Did you guys know that by becoming a subscriber of The Suzanne Venker Show, you get bonus episodes regarding things like stories about my own marriage, answers to questions about other people's marriages and relationships, and commentary on current events that undermine marriage and the family. You also get free eBooks, early releases of each episode, and a 100% free digital copy of my new book, How to Get Hitched and Stay Hitched. Whew, with all that, who wouldn't want to become a subscriber? It's not even expensive. There are three very economical levels from which to choose. Just go to SuzanneBanker.com forward slash podcast and click on the become a subscriber button. That's SuzanneBanker.com forward slash podcast. And now on with the show. From the magnificent Midwest, it's the Suzanne Venker Show, where men and women are equal in value, but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week when we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives about men, women, sex, and love. From coast to coast and from around the world, thank you for joining us. Okay, so some of you heard my announcement several weeks ago, but I'm going to say it again for those who missed it. I won't say this every time I do this, but I want to say it one more time at least. I am going to be doing a money and marriage series on this podcast and I have no particular order to it. So I can't say that it will be every Tuesday, for example, but this is an enormous subject that I've been meaning to address for a long time, but with only one episode per week in the past, my hands were tied, which is why I'm so happy the Suzanne Banker show is now airing three episodes per week as it allows me to deliver so much more content. So this is the second of what I hope will be a long series on money and marriage. Okay, today I'm going to talk about the two non-negotiables for building an unbreakable bond. And the reason that I phrase it that way is because I I want to um, drill home the what it is that I'm seeing over and over with my coaching clients that is, is such a common theme, particularly among millennial marriages, but it's not relegated just to just to them. And I'm sure the the generation after them will be having the same, some of the same issues when it comes to money and their marriage and their marital problems, quite frankly, and how it relates to money. And I, there's a lot to say here. I'm not, as I say, that's why I'm doing a series because I'm going to be covering a lot of different topics, but I wanted to address the two biggest things that are, that are the, the two strongest ways that you can ensure your marriage lasts. Let's put it that way. That has to do with money. There is an undeniable theme among the modern generation of entering marriage with the same mentality they carried pre-marriage when it comes to money. And that is that here's your pile and here's my pile. So despite getting married, they haven't changed their ways with that, which of course undermines the whole purpose of marriage, which is to become one. Everything about at least a traditional or biblical marriage or just a marriage that the way it's designed to work is for the couple to become one. And that is how you are successful because you're no longer thinking in terms of yours and mine or his and hers. You're thinking ours, our, 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 we, we, we. It's now one unit. And the couples who are the most successful in terms of staying the course, call it that way, or, and, or building wealth, which 
and when I say build wealth, I don't mean great wealth. I just mean building something because that's, I mean, doesn't everybody who gets married want to A, stay married and B, build wealth in terms of moving forward and building something? Because that's that's what you're supposed to be doing is building the relationship and building your financial goals. And those two things cannot be separated. And so many young couples are trying to to stay the course or stay married and build wealth while living completely separate lives. They're like living like roommates. And that's why it's not working. It's not a coincidence that they're calling me with what they think are marital problems. And, and they are, but they're 100% related to that way they're handling their finances. And so, you know, when I started the coaching several years ago, after I'd written these books, especially the alpha book, because that's really how it all began, I wasn't intending to help people with their finances, but I do end up having to do that because I see how, how connected those things are as to why they're having the, the marital issues that they are. So the number one thing is that their accounts are separate. That's the number one thing. And when I say separate accounts, I don't mean it the way you might think. I'm not saying you couldn't have, if, if, if for um, logistical reasons, because it's easier to have separate account in addition to your joint accounts to have a little bit of spending money of your own, that's fine. That's not what I mean. Um, in fact, there's several ways though, to have your own spending money, um, you know, petty cash, if you want to call it that without having a separate account, but if that's what you need to do, that's, that's fine. I'm talking about completely separate monies where somebody brings in a lot of student debt. That's a big one that I'm seeing. And the other person, they think that that's not the other person's because they brought it to the marriage. But of course you can say the same thing about, well, what happens if you've already purchased a home and then you get married? Whose home is it? Or I have saved up $50,000 and now I'm married. Whose money is it? it? It's both people's, all of it, the debt, the accumulation, the, um, the property, whatever. These are things that are new for people because back in my day, when people are still getting married more in their twenties, they didn't hadn't had, they hadn't accrued either property or debt. But now you're having people who, because they postponed marriage so many years, they've accrued both debt and property and, or, um, well, mostly it's debt actually. But, um, the point is that regardless of what it is, you're coming into the marriage thinking that you can still have a successful marriage and be and build that wealth while living separately and not being on the same page about what your goals are, which is what's causing those problems that you're having. And this is also true if you have no budget. So there's no organization or working together for how to, to achieve your goals, which means one person's unknowingly undermining the goal or purposefully undermining the collective goal. Some people don't even know what their collective goal is. I mean, they have yet to sit down and actually do this. So this is, this is what I'm seeing um, consistently across the board, um, which, is, which is very, very different from the way that it used to be, um, in large part because both, as I say, we're postponing marriage and both people are living independent lives and accruing both debt and monies prior to getting married. And, and that was not the way it was in the past. So these are new things, new issues that they're walking into and nobody's helping with them. Nobody's helping them with these things. It's like, it, it, they're just shooting blanks and not understanding that if you're not on the same page and you don't have the same goal, you're, you're going to fail. I mean, it's, there's really no other way of putting it. 
So it's my job to help them get on the same page and make sure they're on, have the same goal. And then how are you best going to meet that? Which requires thinking five, 10 years out. And it also requires a completely different mentality than the one they're bringing to the table. So that instead of his and his and hers, it's ours. It's we, it's our money. It is true that student debt should one marry, um, does not fall. In other words, let's see, let's say a wife brings the student debt, which is happening much more so than the reverse, because as you all know, women are going to, um, college at a higher rate and they're taking out loans to do so much more so than men. So I'm seeing more wives come in or women coming, coming in with the debt. Um, it's true that if she died hypothetically, that the, that the husband would not be responsible for it. That is true. But assuming that you're not going to die while you're young and that you're going to be carrying this with you, you have to collect that debt the same way you collect credit card debt or any other debt. That's just marital debt that you need to attack in order to move forward. And what you're seeing is people having totally different attitudes about that. Like one partner is fine with debt and the other person isn't. And so as long as you have that mentality, that's not even, you're never going to be successful in the financial department. And then you'll never be successful in the marriage department because if you're not successful in the money money department, you're not going to be successful in the marriage department and vice versa. They are intricately related. You can't really delink them. And then there's the, um, okay. So, so there's all that. Then there's another component to this that once again, nobody wants to talk about. And that's the sex differences and the difference between a husband's earnings and a wife's earnings and how they approach those earnings and how they think about them, why they do it when they do do it, do it, meaning bringing home this income, how are they handling it? And there's a massive difference between men and men and women here that again, when not addressed will, will ruin the relationship and does often. So I've talked endlessly about the fact that a man's, that it is in a man's DNA to provide and protect for his family. And this is true just as much today as it was a hundred years ago. It doesn't matter how much the roles have changed. Men still want to provide and protect all the data and research shows this. It's very clear. Um, it's something that's not only ingrained in them, but actually their their wives want them to, regardless of the fact that the wives are now working. And that's why we're having so many of the marital problems that we're having today, because people aren't knowing how to handle this new world we've created where women are earning as well. When women earn, well, skip, sorry, I've got to say that differently. When wives earn they're not doing it to provide for their husbands. The vast majority of women who are married, who earn their own money, do not do so to protect and provide for their husbands. But the vast majority of husbands who provide want to do so on behalf of their wife and family. They want to provide. And so right away, they're coming at the money that they're bringing in very differently from the way the woman is. It's not like they're equal. They're not equal in the sense that they don't, they're not working for the same reasons and their attitudes toward it is very different. You've probably heard the phrase that I can't stand, which is your money is our money, but my money is my money. And that's um, very dangerous territory, very dangerous territory because it's complicated for the, on the one hand, it, it can't, 
I mean, there's several reasons for that attitude. Number one, it has to do with the fact that a woman, for what I just said, they're not the providers and the protectors. So when they earn, it's for different reasons. It's for autonomy. This is if they're married now. I'm not talking about single moms. That's the whole different conversation. But if you're married, you're working pretty much because you enjoy it or for autonomy and for your own spending money, if you will. It's not to build something for your family and to provide for your husband. It, it's just not. So so you're handling your money differently if you're thinking of it as yours. And if it's in conflict with the way the husband thinks, which it almost always is because he wants to build, um, you're not doing the same thing together and you're not going to get to the same place because you're not working with the same goal. So for men, building something, accruing that savings, accruing um, a 401k and building for the future is a very male thing. Um, that's not to say that wives don't want to do that. They do, especially because security is so important to them, but it, it's complicated because she'll want to spend typically, I'm, this is a complete generalization, but it's what I see across the board. Um, women want, women want to spend more than the man, more than the man does. And he'll want to accrue. And that's where a lot of the conflict comes in because she feels that he's keeping her from being able to spend. So then she wants to go earn her own money. So she has her own spending money and so on and so forth. But there's a completely different way to go about this. That's going to get you both where you want to go, but you have to be on the same team. You have to have a budget. You have to be not undermining each other. And so that's the other piece of this. The number one was the his and hers versus ours. That's one non-negotiable thing for building an unbreakable bond. And the second one is spending in a way that doesn't allow your husband to build. And what I mean by that is either spending more than he can make or keep up with using your own income as leverage rather than as joint money and not living on a budget that you both have agreed to, whether it's a loose one or a tight one. I mean, basically a, a, something that's going to get you again, where you want to go and you've agreed upon it. And if you haven't done that, that's so often why you're having these, these problems, both in um, with having a lot of conflict. And then of course it eventually shows up in the bedroom as well. So, so the money piece of your marriage is absolutely critical. It's the number one reason for conflict and the number one reason for divorce. It is not a small thing. It is the thing because it represents everything else about your relationship, trust, control, intimacy, all of it. And understanding the sex differences when it comes to this is just, I, I mean, I just can't, I can't say enough about it. I, men and women are trying to pretend like there is no difference between them because they're both earning. And so they see it as just, a, and it's a joint effort, but they're seeing, seeing it as though the other person has um, no differences from you in terms of how you think about money and how you are, how you're handling it. Um, when you spend more than your husband can make and or undermine his ability to make his income work for you or for the family, you are undermining the marriage. And what happens there is that because a man wants to see the most men want to see you happy and they want to naturally give you what you want, but they also want to build on your behalf. They're constantly, um, in this, uh, between this, between a rock and a hard place where they want you to be happy, but they also need to provide for you. And if you're undermining his ability to provide, that's where the relationship starts to break down.
So, I mean, just to, just to put this in more simple terms, let's say, you know, it's a young couple, your man makes, I don't know, $60,000 a year and you have no budget and you're spending, actually, let's say, let's say um, the household income is 60,000. Let's just say that, however, it's brought in. Um, but it's mostly him, let's say, and you, and you are a spender and there's no budget and he's trying to save and you are constantly spending that's undermining his ability to provide for you. And that's going to come out in other ways. And it will absolutely 100% um, destroy the relationship in the end. It will, that's why you're having conflict. If you are in that boat and you're not listening to what it is he's wanting to do. And if he's not listening, this goes both ways. So right now I'm just talking about the man, you know, making sure that he can move forward and not undermining him. The flip side of that, of course, is that he has to um, be able to make sure that she has what she needs and um, has some leeway there with spending. And I'm, this is, I haven't gotten into the details of like whether or not she's employed outside the home or not. I'm really just thinking more about the group, you know, the, the money that comes in being joint and how you're handling it. But then it does get into specifics where, and again, seeing this all the time, if she's making considerably more than he is, it really upsets the apple cart, which I've talked about ad nauseum. Because then you're getting into him never being able to feel like he's um, taking care of his family because you're, you make considerably more than he does. And that's why that upsets that balance there. So this is, this is a complicated topic once again, which is why I'm going to do a series on this. So this isn't the end. And if you have a question, you can always email me, Suzanne, at the Suzanne Banker Show and ask me a specific question. I will cover it in upcoming episodes. This one was just about, like I said, two non-negotiables that if you want to stay married and you want to have a happy marriage and you want it to be a peaceful one and you want to build something together where you're moving forward and not back, the two things are, the two most important things for that goal are thinking in terms of we, not he and I, him and hers, but ours, we. Everything is a team. doesn't matter who's making what, it does matter who's making what. So as I say, we'll cover that later. But in terms of um, how to handle what is coming in the house um, together as a team, that's the number one thing. Number two, uh, the wife not spending in such a way that doesn't allow your husband to build. So spending more than he can make, using your own income as leverage. This is mine, not yours, so on and so forth. Now, I, I realize that's not going to cover everybody's marriage. These, as I say, these are the overarching things I'm repeatedly seeing in coaching over and over. That's why I'm addressing them. I'm not saying that you might not have a marriage where it's reversed, um, where the husband's a spender. And, and so we're going to cover all those things. But just for today, those are the two biggest that I'm seeing um, in today's marriages. And that ends this hour of the Suzanne Banker Show. Before you leave us, I'd appreciate it if you'd take one minute to give us a review at Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use. If you've done that already, or if you can't leave a review on your podcast player for some reason, please consider sharing the show with a friend or a family member. Word of mouth is the primary way we get the word out about The Suzanne Banker Show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.